Hey people, it's me, I'm back, running another podcast, so what you were just hearing was uh, Liz Fair, a divorce song from Exile in Guyville, which is, in my mind, the most important female singer-songwriter album of the past 30 years. Um, Controversial opinion, probably, but uh, in my mind, my opinion. Um... So today we're going to be talking about uh, female singer-songwriters and my favorites. And basically I'm just going to like go through my... So I made a playlist on Spotify recently of... It was just called Girls. And it was all my favorite female singer-songwriters. Uh, it's a pretty extensive... Uh, it's a nice, tight, three-hour playlist on Spotify. Um, if anybody you know, follows me on Spotify or any of my friends have any questions, uh, I can link it to them. Um, it's, uh, it's phenomenal. And I'll try to go through as many as I can, uh, quickly because it's a lot. I mean, and I'm a huge, uh, female singer songwriter fan. So I'll dive in. I mean, I'll start with, with the album you just heard. Uh, that was divorce song from, uh, exile and Guyville. I heard it for the first time. I think I didn't discover Liz Fair until I got older. Uh, I, I knew of her in high school because I remember when that album came out and it was really popular, but just wasn't really. It just didn't vibe with me with where I was at that time in music. Uh, I wasn't listening to a lot of female stuff, uh, even though I I don't know. It, it just I, I guess it was something that I developed as I got older. Listening to I think once I got sober and my taste in music changed, um, I needed something a little bit more. I don't know. Something different. You know, it's always evolving, which is which I think is important. You can't just listen to the same. I didn't want to be that guy that listens to the same music for, you know, his entire life. I know guys, when I used to work in construction um, with my stepdad, and those guys would listen to fucking WMMR and WISP, 93.3 and 94, every day on the job site. And it was the same 15 songs that they listened to nonstop in high school. And it just on a loop. It's the same shit. And it just, and if you tried to do, like, my dad would try to throw on XPN and they would all throw a fit. And it was just hilarious because, like, they were like, what is this shit? This fucking frou frou bullshit college radio. And my dad was not like, you know, he wasn't, he just like, he just got, he was tired of hearing the same stuff all, all the time. And my mom listened to XPN. And, uh, you know, the Penn radio station here in Philly. And, you know, I grew up on, I used to tease them about it too. But then as I got older, I realized how phenomenal it is and uh, the genius of public radio and uh, how they were just introduced to so many new artists. Um, That's how we were introduced to Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam and Jeff Buckley's Grace and, uh, so many of my favorite artists that my mom used to play growing up, um, you know, because I definitely owe a lot of my, well, pretty much all of my musical taste to my mother. Uh, I'm, I'm a total mama's boy. And uh, she's, you know, luckily she had good taste. And uh, that translated to me, and now I'm trying to give it to my kids. But uh, I'm 
totally going off on a tangent, but you know, I didn't want to be the same person who listens to the same music forever. It's so depressing. So getting back to Liz Fair, uh, Exile in Guyville, came out in the early 90s. And, um, you know, it was a darling critic. Everybody loved it. And for good reason. Like the lyrics, like you want to talk about like vis- eviscerating like breakup lyrics. Like some of her songs, like the one song is called Fucking Run. Um, about her growing up and like having sex too young and then it just kind of lays the groundwork for the rest of her relationships and it's about like a boyfriend that you know a guy that she sleeps with who's just kind of using her and I'd never heard like I'd never heard it from a female perspective that whole dynamic between men and women and uh it totally opened me up to the other side of the coin and how that you know how that works for women and she just has such a just savage way of putting that stuff into words and music. And she's a fucking hell of a guitar player, too. And her backing band was fantastic. And the way they mixed that album. <laughs> Excuse me. And they did a lot of really interesting engineering on Exile to Guyville. A, a lot of reverb. And um, at the same time, like the you know layering of her guitar work. Um, so she's definitely a bona fide music. Was, she wasn't just some really cute because that was the thing. She's super cute, and they wanted to capitalize on that. Uh, her looks, and she totally did. I mean, there are there's pictures. If you look online, Liz Fair, there's plenty of like super hot nude photos of her <laughs> that she did for who knows what A and R reps roped her into doing that shit. But she wasn't afraid to show off her body, and she was absolutely beautiful. But the fact that she could play a guitar and write the stuff that she did made her even that more attractive to me anyway. But, uh, it was the lyrics on that album and, uh, her relationship with men and, um, you know, just calling dudes out on being douchebags. And, uh, I just, I just so respected it. And I wanted to like marry her. He's just, you know, she's like, you're a, a music fans, like dream chick. Kind of like, uh, you know, like Rob in High Fidelity where he, he dreams of dating a musician and he ends up sleeping with Lisa Bonet and that whole sequence is like genius. That's me, totally. Um, so that album, I, I got into that later on in life. I wish I would have listened to it earlier, but I think it was like when my taste changed and I needed it when I needed it. And uh, and every song, I mean, that you can literally play that whole album front to back. So if anybody's never heard uh, Liz Fair's Exile to Guyville. Uh, her next album, Whip Smart, was pretty good too, but she never, and then she kind of sold out towards the end of her career. She started doing real poppy bullshit. Um, but that song, especially Divorce Song and Fucking Run, are two of the best songs on that album. Um, I talked about Tori Amos's uh, Little Earthquakes on my last one, which is, you know, it speaks for itself. Um, she was a piano prodigy and uh she speaks a lot of her songs are about sex too and uh and you know rape and uh date rape and you know crazy relationships and parental you know a lot of oedipal stuff in there um just deep shit and then the voice i mean tori amos's voice is a lot of people say she sounds like kate bush and her a lot of her music does but it's different in its own way and it's still genius um, I love a good piano and she's up there on my probably top five pianists that I've ever heard. Um, 
Speaking of uh, Fiona Apple's first album with uh, Shadow Boxer, I mean, just, you know, the opening to that is just so good. I mean, you, you know it as soon as you hear it. One of the best pop songs of the last, I don't know, 20-something years. And then that voice, and she's this tiny little waif thing, and she just crushes it. And uh, the vocals and the music and the, the lyrics, just the perfect package for uh, somebody getting into like serious female singer-songwriters. Um, that whole album is... A revolution it's so good um but that song in particular shadow boxer and there was the other one that got real popular on that album that they played on mtv non-stop i forget what it's called right now but i didn't like it as much shadow boxer's still the one i mean it's the most popular one but man what a killer song um who else did i really get into uh my one of my other favorite probably my my favorite uh singer songwriter in in the world is uh is Ani DeFranco. Um I can't ever talk more about who was more in, you know, probably the most influential and important artist, you know, of the last thirty years. I mean she started she was the first one to do her own independent record label, Righteous Babe. And uh, you know, she's got like I don't even know how many albums. She's got like thirty something. She's been recording since the eighties. And people don't even realize it. And her music still sounds ridiculously good now. Um, she's still making music. But, like, the bulk... Like, her 90s... Like, I mean, the entire... She owned the whole 90s. Like, from 89 to, like, well into the 2000s, she was putting out just ridiculous work. Um, and she is one of, one of my favorite guitarists on Earth. Uh, she, like, makes up her own chords. And... Uh, I know guys that are musicians, and I know Mike, who's going to be my other co-host on this show, is a huge Ani fan, Ani DeFranco fan. We actually saw her up at uh, what was um, damn, what is that theater? We saw her up at the Keswick, up in Northeast Philly, uh, like 10, 15 years ago, and we might have been the only straight dudes at that entire concert, and I didn't give a shit because. I absolutely love, and she puts on, she's one of the funniest chicks alive. Like She's just so natural up there and inviting and warm and funny and cute. And she just, you know, she's just uh, one of my, one of my favorite concerts of all time. And I, I don't, it wasn't even like, it wasn't even her at her peak. Like it was like towards the end of her like ridiculous run of uh, nutty records. And, uh, me and, Mike, me and Mike drove up there. I'll never forget it. I was like, man, we are like strangers in a strange land up here. But, you know, everybody was cool. Like, I didn't get any – there weren't any man-hating comments or, you know, I didn't feel like it was a hostile environment. Because she has – you know, for people that don't know, she's uh, openly bisexual and was like pretty uh, pro – she was very gay, like the first – the beginning of her career. And a lot of women – she's a huge gay following. And she caught a lot of flack because uh, she ended up marrying a man later on. 
And she addresses that on a couple of her albums uh, in some of the lyrics that, you know, she didn't ask to be this gay spokesperson for, you know, every gay woman in America. And but yet, like they were just trashing her. They thought that she was such a traitor when she did that. And uh, she was never, you know, she's bi, whatever, who cares? Like her music is easily, I mean, some of the most complex uh, lyrics and complex um, guitar arrangements. Uh, and she does, she's done stuff with Maceo Parker. Um, so like my favorite albums from her, you know, I have so many like crazy Ani DeFranco memories. Um, like my one, my one writer roommate that was a girl and, uh, she, whenever I hear this song, I think about her, she was cool as shit. And we worked at Bennigan's together and, uh, she played this album for me, which was Little Plastic Castle. And it was this song, As Is. Super catchy. Great lyrics. Definitely one of her more accessible albums and singles. But I definitely credit Mindy, uh, my old roommate, for introducing me to a lot of Ani's stuff. Um, that album in particular. Because the, the one that I was first exposed to was um, To the Teeth, which is just, it was like probably, I think that came out in like the late 90s or early 2000s. And uh, Little Plastic Castle was a little bit older. Um, so I was just dipping my feet into the, the Ani waters and... Uh, she played that for me, and I was like, wow, what the, who is, so like this was like my first introduction to Ani was this album that I heard this, I don't know where I heard this song, and then I was like, I have to go out and get that CD. Uh, it was Back, 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 and this whole album had a real jazzy, hip-hop, R&B vibe to it. It wasn't just strictly acoustic like a lot of her stuff can be, but she was just really soulful and sexy on this album. A lot of horn sections, um, great drumming, like just the whole back backing band that she picked for this album was so perfect, and it's good front to back. Uh, the album's called To the Teeth. This song's back, back, back. There's that brass section. I could sit here just I just sit here and talk about and listen to Ani DeFranco probably for an entire podcast. She's an absolute genius. And I love introducing people to her that have never heard her. Because it's like a light goes on when people hear her shit and really hear it. And that's like my favorite thing about music is turning somebody on to something they never heard that I love. And uh, Anya DeFranco, if you haven't listened to her, you're doing yourself a major disservice. Um, her entire catalog is just untouchable. Um, but that album is just so tight. Uh, she does like uh, another song on this playlist is this one, Gravel. So this is 
This is where you get to hear like the ridiculous guitar skills. As your wheels hit the ground, and then your engine in the driveway cut him off. And I pushed through the screen door, and I stood out on the porch, thinking, fight, 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 at all costs. But instead of that, sounds so good. That's the Pioneer SX850 receiver with my Paradigm speakers and the Clip speakers. And all her live performances, like she has a ton of live stuff that you can buy like living in clip is like a double live album and like she doesn't miss a fucking beat on the guitar like her guitar skills are just like scary and uh and she can just do it all live and she sounds just like the record if not better uh which is the mark of a true artist um moving on i mean like some of the big heavy hitters will just knock out first uh you can't talk about um, female singer-songwriters without talking about Joni Mitchell. Uh, Joni Mitchell was, uh, you know, it was the thing with me and my mom. That was my mom's favorite singer-songwriter, probably still is. Um, holds a special place in my heart uh, just from growing up listening to her records on vinyl and playing in the house. I used to tell my mom, oh, play Joni, uh, you know, on Saturday mornings we were cleaning the house. Um, just a really warm, fuzzy, uh, good memory i know it sounds really cheesy and corny but uh you know i'm getting old and soft in my old age uh, <laughs> but Joni mitchell um blue that whole album i mean just front to back you can't fucking touch it uh you know if you've ever heard uh everybody knows yellow taxi um but case of you and River, and uh, I really got into Court and Spark, which is another one of her albums. I actually got into that on vinyl. But this album, you'll never, you'll never hear a voice like that ever again. Like she is the one in, once in a lifetime vocalist, once in a lifetime uh, pioneer in in female music and guitar. I mean, like another guitar god. In my opinion, so clean, um, and the, the voice just cuts through you. And she's cool as shit. She's like an artist. She does painting and sculpting, and she's pretty much slept with every major, you know, Dylan and you, you know, you name it. She's they, she's dated or slept with with all the big guys in terms of seventies musicians. Um, not that that's any, you know, not that that means anything, but, uh, she's a total savage and she's awesome. Um, but this album is just front to back. Unbelievable. So like that album's great. And then, uh, Court and Spark. So this song, oh man, such a warm 70s like tubey sound to it like you just feel like it's like you're in the laurel canyons canyons in, in california just like cruising on your motorcycle or something that's this song 
so 70s, but so good. Just buttery smooth. And I didn't even know it until I bought this album on vinyl and played it on uh, one of the first turntables. I bought a dual 1226 or whatever, and then I was playing on a little Pioneer uh, 650. I gave both of them to my mom uh, right after I played this album for her in my basement. And I was like, how have I never gotten into this album before? And it's another album front to back that the production value, every song was just so well cut. And everything just sounds great. You can you can have a list of female singer songwriters without she's probably you know the most important in terms of the one that started everything in my mind. And then uh, we move right along to uh, another one of my close favorites that a lot of people don't know about which is even more fun, uh, is Joan Armitrading. Joan Armitrading, another one from my mom uh, that she played all the time. And her, so this is from a live album. She's another one that has a ton of great live shit on Spotify. And that's why I totally stole this from. Uh, so I just ordered a... I have her album, Love and Affection, um, on vinyl. Bought it for like three bucks at a record store, and I absolutely adore it. Uh, it's scratchy as hell, and uh, has a lot of cracks and bobbles, but... <laughs> man. Just really another warm 70s sound, but like... She's another one with a whole different voice, super powerful, um, classic guitar playing, and she still plays, she still performs, she's British, uh, and not a lot of people know about her, people that, people that are in the know about good music know her, um, but I always like introducing her to new people, uh, because she's just beautiful. And I have her um, her first album. I just ordered a special edition 180 gram vinyl from uh, I forget what website it was, but I can't wait for it to get here. She's tight, man. So moving on. Um, one of my... Where is she at here? I'm looking, so I'm going through my Spotify playlist, and I'm trying to keep it together um, and not get too off-kilter because it's easy for me to go off on tangents. Um, PJ Harvey, uh, any of her stuff is just so good. Um, they, they have stuff on her on YouTube like her live recordings of her playing the guitar and she is first of all she's super sexy like really dark goth look to her very like Susie and the Banshees type look and uh, 
but man, she can play a wicked guitar and she's savage. Um, another just brutal, uh, brutally honest lyricist and singer songwriter. Um, so she put out an album. This is one of her more accessible things called You Said Something. It's from, uh, oh, Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea, um, from the early 2000s. Uh, it was like her, almost like her pop record. Because it was kind of like really accessible for, for her. Like a lot of her stuff was very edgy. And, um, you know, critics loved her. Um, but this song was just captures like this whole New York City vibe and uh, she's another one just a phenomenal voice killer guitar player could hold her in with any any dude on stage and it's just a really beautiful song that it's on a lot of my playlists and whenever people hear it they're always like who is this I'm like man that's fucking PJ Harvey rocks so if you've never been into PJ Harvey highly recommend um, especially to all my any of my women that are listening now uh, and looking for some good female shit um, PJ Harvey it's not some of it's not easy to listen to some of it's tough but you got to push through it <laughs> and because uh, some of her like her really good stuff is golden um, and it's she's another one that doesn't pull any punches uh, with her lyrics and um, you know just complete savage on guitar um, speaking of guitar work I mean it's hard it's hard not to put this in in any list of like badass chick guitarists than the opening of Barracuda I mean it just begs to be just fucking turned up super loud so this was one of the first songs I played on this Pioneer when I had everything hooked up, like everything just simpatico, like with the speakers and and the placement and uh, everything all just came together and I was just picking out some of these songs just rock that I could turn up full blast where I can't, like my ears hurt. And this is one of those songs. And everybody knows it. But it doesn't, like, take away from how powerful it is. It's like the perfect fucking 70s rock song. Like, you could throw it in any movie soundtrack and it would instantly elevate it. Yeah, there's not much else I can say. I mean, that song is just phenomenal. And Heart is... They're killers. Absolute killers. That chick that chick plays one of the meanest guitars ever. Um, in, this, in the same, the similar... Very similar type sounding song. But a totally different artist. Uh, Stevie Nicks. Edge of Seventeen. She's like the ultimate sexy, like, bohemian, gypsy, like, witch, whatever. Like, Stevie Nicks is like a, she's not even human, I don't think. 
She's another one that just did tons of blow and just like slept with everybody and just made no apologies about any of it and uh, was in one of the greatest rock bands of all time, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, but her solo career is pretty respectable as well. And this is one of this and uh, Leather and Lace, which is a, a quiet song, but it's a good song to put down to like make out to. Um, if you ever have one of those, I have one of these playlists, by the way. Uh, it's my Valentine's playlist that I put on Spotify, and Leather and Lace is on there. Uh, but this is on my, you know, my girls' playlist, and I love this song. I never get tired of it. Edge of Seventeen. Uh, this is okay. So here's a band that I guarantee not a lot of people have ever heard of. Um, they're called Land of Talk. I believe they're a Canadian band. Um, the lead singer, I forget her name, but it's uh, I think it's a mostly female band. And uh, I got into them probably about 10, 15 years ago after I heard this song, and I forget where I heard it. I think I heard it on somebody's like MySpace page. And I was like, who is that? But it's like one of those awesome breakup sounding songs that like you just listen to and just fucking cry. <laughs> You're just like, that's all. It's crazy. Like when we're sad, that's all we want to listen to is sad music. Uh, I guess because it's comforting. And this is definitely one of those songs. Um, but it's still a beautiful song regardless. Um, I actually have a ton of their music on my girls playlist. Uh, but Because they're one of those bands that like, they're kind of like a little secret for me and like I only I don't know anybody else that's ever heard of them maybe one or two people and sometimes I like it that way where uh, you know they're just one of those bands that just I know about or I think I, I'm the only one because I'm just so egocentric that I think I'm the only one that knows about them but uh, man I, I always try to dump these on, on people especially when I find out that somebody likes female singer songwriters and indie music in general it's a very indie band um, this whole album uh, Summer Lakes is the name of the album and this song is called It's Okay uh, for anybody that's taking notes uh, it's a great great album all the way front to back um, definitely different and not all the songs sound like this like a lot of their songs rock uh, these chicks can definitely play guitar uh, and have upbeat music um yeah, it's like I just want to sit here and listen to it. Because whenever I turn it on, I can never turn it back off. It's one of those songs for me. Uh, so we'll move on. We'll totally shift gears. Um, controversial pick. But one of the most rocking Nirvana songs ever written. <laughs> because this is Violet by Hole from Live Through This. So this album special place in my heart because it came out in high school and I was huge Nirvana and oh man that I mean that's if that's not a Nirvana riff I mean the the word on you know the word on the street is that Kurt Cobain basically wrote this album before he died I mean there's no this is so this is Kurt just like all over it but who cares the whole album is phenomenal I front every single fucking song on this album is like a perfect grunge pop song with like incredible 
uh, production value. One of the few records at that time that sounded this clean. And, dude, I don't care what you say. Courtney Love didn't have a great voice, but she really, you felt what she was saying when she said it. And she's a total douchebag, and she probably killed Kurt Cobain. But uh, I'm just talking about music, and music, this album just rocks. And the whole album. And great album cover, great name, Live Through This. Uh, Just so tight, and just brings back a lot of memories. Um, But anybody that wants to listen to, like, really good grunge and who likes Nirvana, this album. I mean, it's got to be in your collection, and I, I'll probably end up getting it on vinyl. It's amazing I don't have it already. Uh, in that same vein, uh, I mean, I like chicks that rock, man. So, uh, if anybody remembers this song, L7, Pretend That We're Dead. This was so big. This is so 80s, 90s. But it still kicks ass. Still sounds good. That synthesizer. So catchy. And it's like, it's it's almost so kitschy. Like, it's so over the top. that That's what makes it awesome. It's like, it's like a Joan Jett ripoff. But it still works. And the video is awesome. It's just one of my like guilty pleasures. That song. Uh, so, another band. So these guys came out a few years ago. Um, they're a new band. They're called Bully. And this chick reminds me of like all those badass um, front women from like the '80s and '90s bands. They're a total throwback. Their first two albums are just 25 to 30 minutes of just adrenaline. Like, both of them. They're just super fast. Like, just punk, indie, alternative grunt. Like, you just mash stuff up together, and this came out. But it still sounds fresh and new, and she's got a great voice. Uh, This is Feel the Same. Uh, from their the self, I think this was their self-titled album. Um, they have two albums, and then this was the other one called Too Tough. This was the first song I heard from them, and just, oh, I was like, is it 1996? Oh, so sludgy but catchy at the same time. The song's called Too Tough by the band Bully. And both of their albums, their first two albums, are stellar from beginning to end. There's no throwaways on them, which is rare.
Oh man, it's so good. And then, in that same vein, man, talk about a kick-ass out. And these 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 girls, very similar sound, right? So this is Slater Kinney. These guys killed the '90s. Uh, Carrie Brownstein from um, Portlandia. Yeah, this was her first gig. So it, it makes her like a thousand times cooler. She was the guitarist for, or the bass, I forget, for, uh, this is Slater Kinney, considered one of the most influential hard rock female bands. And this is from their 2005 album before they broke up, The Woods. And this was actually what really got me into them. Like, I'd heard some of their stuff before. Um, you know, every, their, their first, their big album was Dig Me Out. Uh, and it's, there's a whole awesome, they actually just remastered it and put it out. But the chick has completely different voice. And these guys have some of the coolest guitar work I've ever heard in songs, period. Just heavy. I mean, they just crush it. And this is uh, One More Hour, which is the... The famous song from their first out or their their big album from '97 called um, "Dig Me Out." This is one more hour. And it's all about uh, so like Carrie Brownstein actually dated the lead singer. Uh, I forget her name. It escapes me right now. But they dated uh, for years during the band's early days. And this album, this album was like basically her. It was like their breakup letter to each other, and it's fucking brutal but it's so good and like they filmed it they they recorded it in this tiny little studio up in uh where the hell were they oh i don't know pacific northwest somewhere and it was uh had no heat and on the one on this one of these songs you can actually hear the drummer tapping her drumstick on the space heater and it actually becomes like a part of the song and they left it in there which is so cool So if you're like, if you're looking to get in some really important uh, hard rock female stuff, Slater Kenny, you don't get any better. Switching gears a little bit. Definitely switching gears. Uh, Natalie Merchant. From 10,000 Maniacs, one of my favorites. Uh, they're unplugged. 10,000 Maniacs unplugged is. I just listened to that the other day for the first time in years, and I forgot how excellent that recording was. Uh, but this was from her solo. Uh, the song's Carnival. It's off the Tiger Lily album, which is incredible. And she's another one with the, one of the greatest voices ever. But um, really smart choices in backing bands. And whoever does the guitar work in this song is so on point. Life 
just has like one of those easiest voices to listen to. It's just like it pleases your ears. And she's super sexy in her own weird way. Um, she's not traditionally beautiful, but she's uh, something about her. She's hot. But this is a great song. Um, in the same vein, not switching too many gears. Uh, anybody that's you know likes good music will know about uh, the magic of Amy Man. Uh, this is from the Magnolia soundtrack, Save Me. That sounds really good. She has one of my favorite voices ever, too. I know I say that a lot, but... Another one that's so easy to listen to, and she just has written so many incredible singles. And Magnolia is a great album, or a great soundtrack, great movie. One of Philip Seymour Hoffman's most underrated uh, small roles was in Magnolia, and he's going to be on one of my podcasts. I'm going to do an entire podcast dedicated to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, it was me and my buddy Brian were talking about it, him the other day, and I was like, dude. I could sit and talk about his movies and his contribution to film forever. Easily my favorite actor, living or dead. But that's uh, this is Amy Mann's Save Me from Magnolia. And then, um, I already talked about her, but uh, Precious Things... Uh, Tori Amos from Little Little Earthquakes. One of my favorite openings to any song ever. And like when it when it fucking crashes in, it's like a wave like hitting you. Like when this song builds with the piano, and then when the the rest of the band comes in, it's like whew, and if like you have the music turned up really loud and you're not ready for it. I had it set up upstairs when I first got my my upstairs modern setup with the really nice amplifier and the awesome new record player and the fucking big ass speakers and I wasn't ready for it and it like not almost knocked me out of the fucking couch it's so loud right there like you can't really tell now but like when you're in person and you have this song turned up really loud and when that when that comes in the drums come in but she's just, I can't even say anything more about that album. Um, Little Earthquakes by Tori Amos. Precious Things, the name of the song. Uh, oh man, she's good. Alright, here's a good one Cannonball by The Breeders. Anybody remember this song? Another huge 90s song. I mean, one of the biggest 90s singles ever. Uh, in all, like, you looked up alternative. 120 minutes, you know, number one videos. This fucking video and this song just nonstop on the radio, on TV. Just that unmistakable bass line and then that unmistakable riff. Just 
such a different song. Like, this is the Breeders, Cannonball, from the album Last Splash. Ugh. Just iconic. It just screams 90s whenever I hear this song. Here it comes. Uh-huh. All right, totally switching gears. So much fun, but so fucking good. The Go Go's, I don't care. Fuck you. If you don't want to get up and shake your ass to this song, you got problems. Belinda Carlisle was so hot in the 80s. And I'm dating myself here. But. Ridiculously catchy. And I'm a total sucker for 80s music, and I'll probably do a podcast on that too. So bite me. In the same vein, can't have a playlist of chick stuff without Bananarama, Cruel Summer, Karate Kid, Allie, Elizabeth Shue, my first crush. I mean, I still love Elizabeth Shue. I can't watch a a fucking movie without her in it and not be like, oh my god, I would just marry Elizabeth Shue if I wasn't married to the most wonderful woman in the world already. Hi, Krista. But man, Elizabeth Shue and Karate Kid and this song when they're like playing soccer and like just the the sexual tension between her and, and Daniel. Ugh, palpable. So good. You just can't not sing along to it. Impossible. Challenge me. And it's a really good... I mean, it's a really well done song, too. This is starting to get fun. Oh, man, that's good stuff. Here's one. Uh. Veruca Salt. Seether. One hit wonder. I don't know why it's on this playlist. They're not influential. They're not important at all. Just a really awesome, kick-ass 90s chick band song that I threw on here. I have a couple of them on here, so I didn't stick to the whole importance. I didn't. You can't be too serious all the time. It's fucking boring. Seether by Veruca Salt. If you don't know it, look it up. Learn it, love it, live it. Great song. 
Trust me, it stays good. All the way through. So I saw a documentary about these guys, Bikini Kill, and their lead singer. Uh, can't remember her name. I'm really bad. Uh, anyway, it's on Netflix, I think. Uh, what the fuck is her name? Anyway, they're one of the most... They're one of the leaders of the whole uh, Riot Girl movement of the late 80s, uh, early 90s of chick bands. And she was really charismatic, super hot, sexy singer. But she had, like, I don't know if it was, like, she had mental problems or something. But it was one of the best rock documentaries I've ever seen. And they kind of laid the groundwork for that whole sound of, like, just chicks just mashing away at three chords and, uh wearing like you know fishnet stockings and and skirts and like tons of makeup it was like it was like a goth glam type scene but like scary at the same i don't know right girl check look it up bikini kill album the song's called feels blind it's awesome not a lot of people are gonna like it but i like it Uh, another chick band, uh, Tanya Donnelly, Belly. Oh man, this is like saccharine. This is like so syrupy, sweet. Tanya Donnelly's voice. It'll turn a lot of people off. I don't care. They're still a really good band. They actually put together a really nice little catalog of catchy little singles like this. This is uh, Seal My Fate by Belly. I almost just played it again. But then you can't think of like 90s. Uh, iconic 90s songs without thinking of like Alanis Morissette or uh, this chick. Such a weird intro to a song. And it gets cut out a lot of times when they play it on the radio. Joan Osborne, one of us. Total cliche. It's been played out so bad. But Brass Bones, it's a fucking great pop song. And it's hard for people, it's hard for you not to sing along to it once it comes on the radio. I don't care who you are. I don't care how skeptical you are and how jaded it's still a fucking good song. Guilty pleasure. If it comes on in your car, I guarantee you, and you're by yourself, you're fucking, you're not, you're not changing that channel. Uh, this is Beth Orton. So like, we'll go to an actual really good, um, singer songwriter. I like a lot of her stuff, but this is by far my favorite Beth Orton song. It's called uh, She Cries Your Name from a Trailer Park album. I love the intro, the strings, and then it goes into like guitar. 
It sounds really good on a nice stereo system. Super crisp and clear. And then it gets into like a really nice groove. Phenomenal voice. It's on a lot of my playlists because it's just a it's just a really good song. Super chill, but not too chill. Lots of layers. It's just really unbelievable production. Here's another one from that band I talked about earlier, uh, Land of Talk. So they can rock. And they're from like the early 2000s, but they sound like a throwback to the 90s. Oh man, this is so good. I love this fucking song. This is from uh, the Summer Summer Lakes album. So good, that whole album. It reminds me of like the mid 2000s when I was living in Maryland in my apartment by myself. And I just dove into like indie music so hard. And I don't think I had a girlfriend at the time, so I was just like doing a lot of stuff by myself. Interpret that as you want. So there's a bunch of other bands on here, um, but I'm going to jump into a couple new ones that I've gotten into over the last couple years that, um, alright, so this chick, this is Julian Baker, uh, if you haven't heard of her, climb out from underneath your fucking rock and look her up, um, her tiny desk concerts on YouTube are a treasure, like, I literally, the first time I watched it, I remember, I'll never forget. This, so this song, this is Souvenir. It's from the Boy Genius album. So it was her, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus. They're like the three biggest indie chick uh, singers right now. And they did they made like a super group uh, a couple years ago. And they put out this, this EP. It's like seven songs. And they're unbelievable. And this is my favorite song on the album called Souvenir. And Julian Baker opens it up. One of my favorite new voices that I've heard in the last 10 years. So clean. She's uh, kind of like a prodigy. She's super young. She's openly gay. I think she's in recovery as well. But she put out um, her tiny desk concerts. I was watching the first one when I was in Colorado, and I don't know what I was going through at the time. I was like super, I just loved it out there. Like I felt, I can't wait to move out there. And we were in Frisco in the mountains, and it was just an incredible vacation. And I was diving into all this really good music and just sitting out and listening to it. 
and I watched this YouTube um, Tiny Desk concert with Julian Baker, the first one she did. And I literally, like, three songs, and I was, like, breathless. Like, and I don't say that a lot about a lot of recording artists, like, anymore. And I was, like, borderline, like, in tears. Like, how good this fucking chick plays live. And how much she emotes from both her guitar and from her face and her voice. Like, she's just, like, this tiny little waif, and, like, you feel like she's just gonna blow away. And she's just unbelievable. So much stage presence for this tiny little thing. And this album... Souvenir came out a couple years ago that she did with a, and then they they toured it. They did a tour for it too. Um, but her album from 2015, Sprained Ankle, is like uh, I highly recommend it. She, um, it's a lot of very wispy, um, sad music and whatever. I, when you hear her play this song on Tiny Desk. It's like you could like you hear people in the background like gasping like they were like oh my god like it, you have to see it to believe it. it doesn't sound like it when you just hear it but like to watch her play She's put out a couple good singles in the last, last year. She, I'm trying to think of the album. Um, Turn Out the Lights from 2017 had the had the one popular song on it that they played a lot on um, indie radio and shit. But, you know, if you're in the mood for some really weepy, like, but, like, just really good fucking music, when this chick belts it out, like, this tiny little thing, and she fucking wails. I mean, love her. And she plays a killer guitar. Like, how pretty is that? So that's going to have me segue into another band that I found at the same time. Um another child prodigy guitar player uh the band's called snail mail um so this was from their kexp live or audio tree live and it's on youtube um it's better than their fucking studio shit like similar sound but like this chick this band sounds like they came out of the 90s their drummer's super tight. She plays like this beautiful... Uh, I forget the name of the guitar that she uses, but she's another guitar prodigy who's classically trained. And she just decided to do rock music. Like I think she wrote this her first album at like 15 or 16. And the chord progressions and the way this band goes from song to song on this Audio Tree live performance, like they're just seamless. Like they've been playing together for 30 years. And like they didn't, they don't even. She doesn't. She's so boring to watch live. Like she's just totally non-emotive, just stands there. But the music speaks for itself. Like they're this, and then their their second album is called uh, Lush, and it's a uh, very it's much better produced than their first album Habit. 
but it's all good stuff. I mean, it's just crazy. Some of these women are killing it right now in music, if you don't know already. And she's like this band and Julian Baker and Phoebe Bridgers and uh, Lucy Dacus and some of these other female singer-songwriters are crushing it. I heard Fiona Apple just came out with a new album, and it's I, I checked it out. It's not bad. But I really dig this chick. If you're into, like, 90s-sounding, um, you know, shoegazing-type uh, Galaxy 500-sound music, you'll dig this. Snail Mail. So I'm at over an hour going through this playlist and through my, you know, my list of some of my favorite female singer-songwriters. I think I've touched on most of them. I'm sure there's more that I've forgotten. Um, but I'm starting to run out of voice and run out of gas. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I had a, I had a blast doing this. Hopefully I can use this format again and uh, you know bring you a whole different, go through another one of my playlists or another one of my favorite topics in music. Um, I could probably do a whole podcast on Death Cab for Cutie if people are down for that. But uh, all right, that's it. Over and out.